It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, July 28th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up, the California Report spotlights a group that's particularly vulnerable to the high temps this weekend is forecast to bring. We're increasingly depending on generators during wildfire power outages these days. In today's local news roundup, we have details on how you may qualify for PG&E's free transfer switch giveaway. And to continue with the station's blast from the past theme of the day, KVMR's Felton Pruitt brings us his interview with former KVMR DJ and punk rock star Jimmy Accardi. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. There's a possible new lifeline for Madera Community Hospital, which filed for bankruptcy in March after closing its doors late last year. KVPR's Sarith Hawk reports the hospital's board of trustees has approved a new operating partner. Madera Community Hospital would not officially reveal the identity of the partner, but unofficial reports given to KVPR indicated Adventist Health was chosen to take over services. Adventist Health operates hospitals in Tulare, Kings, Kern, and Fresno counties. The health system has other locations throughout California, Oregon, and Hawaii. Adventist stepped in to operate the former Tulare Regional Medical Center back in 2018, as the hospital there also faced bankruptcy. That was Sarith Hawk with KVPR. With temperatures expected in the upper 90s this weekend across much of the Central Valley, there are growing heat-related concerns about a particularly vulnerable population, people who are incarcerated. Inmates at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla say cooling systems are constantly breaking down there and have been for years. The buildings that we are in are made of cinder block. You can imagine sitting inside of a brick building with 107 degree temperature outside. You're effectively in an oven. That's inmate advocate Laura Hernandez, who was incarcerated at the facility for about seven years before being released in 2015. In a statement, the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation said it's monitoring excessive heat in each of the state's prisons. The department also says it's installed additional fans in Chowchilla. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food on the web at theschmidt.org. And now the latest installment in our occasional summer series, My California Summer. Today, we're tagging along with KPBS investigative reporter Scott Rod as he explores San Diego's surprisingly aesthetic wastewater treatment system, where he found even the most unusual parts of the city are flush with art. San Diego is home to a world-class public art scene. Colorful murals stretching across entire building sides, soaring sculptures celebrating the city's heritage. But there's a whole world of public art that thrives along the bowels of America's finest city. You have to look at something 
and toilet, and so it's nice to have something to look at. Artist Shinpei Takeda stands beside a public bathroom in Ocean Beach. The city of San Diego commissioned him to transform the restroom ceiling back in 2012. It features quotes from famous authors, whose names appear on nearby street signs, layered over excerpts from local news stories. If art is something that makes us think, something that makes us reflect, I think it can be anywhere. And where else better to do it when you're you know, doing a most biological business? <laughs> Takeda's piece is our starting point as we explore the artwork sprinkling San Diego's sewage system. About a mile north is another piece funded by the city's arts commission on a public restroom. When you flush at these beach bathrooms, the water flows first to a pump station near the San Diego airport. Pump stations help sewage reach treatment plants, and nearly half a dozen of them feature public art. From the pump station, our effluent expedition continues to the Point Loma wastewater treatment plant. Yeah, we may be dealing with shit, but somebody else can look at this and find something beautiful in it. Richard Turner is a prolific public artist. He produced several pieces on the outside of the Point Loma plant, including a series of abstract metal sculptures and an interactive section of pipe, the exact kind of pipe the plant uses to safely discharge treated wastewater, about 150 million gallons a day, into the ocean. I thought, here I've got an opportunity to actually bring visitors inside the technology of the plant itself. In addition to the Point Loma facility, Turner left his mark on the Metro Biosolid Center in Kearney Mesa. The center processes treated sludge from Point Loma. The artwork starts at the front gate, continues in the lobby, and spreads throughout the main administrative building. People see it and they ask questions. When I tell them what it is, it's, they find it very interesting. Richard Pitchford is the superintendent at the Metro Biosolid Center. He says the artwork forces visitors to ponder the complex process that happens after they use the bathroom. You know, you flush it, it's gone. I don't have to deal with it anymore. When we deal with it on the other end, and it's, it's actually a fascinating industry. Pitchford says one of his favorite pieces is a series of little floating, well, logs on one of the hallway walls. They start out a brownish clay color and then slowly turn to a shimmering gold. I probably walked by it several times before I really figured out, oh, this is what it's representing. That you can start out with something that's basically somebody's waste, and by the end of the process, it is worth something. In the end, I suppose that's what all this bathroom art is about, finding meaning and value where you least expect it. Some food for thought the next time you hit the head. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod. It's the start of Taylor Swift weekend in the Bay Area, and fans continue to spend their early mornings trying to grab merchandise before her first concert tonight. As Santa Clara's tourism industry prepares for an influx of Swifties, striking hotel workers in Los Angeles are asking the Eras Tour singer to stay away. In a protest yesterday morning, hotel staff called on the singer to postpone her upcoming concerts in solidarity with workers as they fight for higher wages. The new Americana singer has six concerts scheduled at SoFi Stadium starting next week. And that's the California Report for Friday, July 28th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, Catherine Monahan, Jim Bennett, and Seal Muller. 
Our producers are Keith Mizuguchi and Izzy Bloom. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our vice president of news is Ethan Toven Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. The KVMR News Desk covered the murders of two Davis residents in late April and early May. Carlos Reales Dominguez, the 20-year-old former UC Davis sophomore who allegedly perpetrated the stabbings, is now in court. But the current question is not whether Reales Dominguez is guilty, but rather if the defendant, who faces two counts of murder and one of attempted murder, is mentally fit to stand trial in the first place. The first day of Reales Dominguez's competency hearing began Tuesday, July 25th in Yolo Superior Court. In a woodland courthouse, his defense attorney painted the picture of a severely mentally ill young man. Reales Dominguez allegedly heard voices, lost weight, and withdrew from friends. His former girlfriend told jurors, quote, He said the devil was talking to him in his dreams. There were multiple occasions where he'd say that. Yolo County Deputy Public Defender Daniel Hutchinson argues that this is clear indication his client is not fit to stand trial. The presumed diagnosis for Reales Dominguez? Schizophrenia. Quote, Carlos Dominguez is severely mentally ill. The evidence will show that Carlos Dominguez has schizophrenia. As a shackled Reales Dominguez sat silently at the defendant's table, Hutchinson didn't mention the deadly Davis attacks, but depicted the former student's deterioration from solidly built social athletic student to the unshaven, unwashed, incoherent inmate forced to take antipsychotic medication now in Yolo County custody. However, Yolo prosecutor Chris Vandehoek is not convinced. Quote, the starting line is competence. He continues arguing the defendant is, quote, toying with the system, duping his doctors and therapists, and says Reales Dominguez is fully capable of making decisions based on what is going on around him. This reported by the Sacramento Bee. Due to the relentless increase of dry conditions, the El Dorado National Forest has announced that seasonal fire restrictions are now in effect. Under these restrictions, wood and charcoal fires are only allowed in metal fire rings or grills at the designated recreation sites. Forest Fire Management Officer Nikki Johnny says, We've already encountered some abandoned campfires this year, so if you see an abandoned or illegal fire, call 911. Having a valid California campfire permit does not exempt a person from the seasonal fire restrictions. Caltrans will be working in the North Lake Tahoe area this weekend. A news release from the department says two separate projects will interfere with traffic. Construction continues on a gas line replacement project on Highway 28 between Tahoe City and Kings Beach. One-way traffic control is scheduled between Carnelian Bay Road and Center Street in Carnelian Bay from Sunday, July 30th at 7 p.m. until Friday, August 4th at 8 a.m. In addition, bi-directional traffic is scheduled between Anderson Road and National Avenue in Tahoe Vista from Monday, July 31st at 7 a.m. until Thursday, August 3rd at 7 p.m. KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza has a quick update about Pacific Gas and Electric's wildfire safety initiatives, including a free giveaway you may qualify for if you live in a high wildfire threat area. Wildfire season is here, and that means the potential for power safety power shutoffs. When conditions are dry and the winds are blowing hard, tree branches and other debris can sometimes make contact with power lines, and that could start a fire. To avoid this, PG&E will sometimes turn off power to parts of the grid, 
and they call that a public safety power shutoff. As more and more people are installing generators to power their homes during these outages, PG&E has begun offering free transfer switches to customers who live in high fire threat areas. PG&E offers things such as a power transfer meter, which allows you to very seamlessly connect a generator to your home in the event of a power outage, and then it will disconnect when the grid power is restored. That's PG&E spokesperson Paul Moreno. I spoke with him this afternoon to learn the details about an upcoming town hall that the company will be hosting next week. PG&E is holding a wildfire safety webinar on Tuesday, August 1st from 5.30 to 7 p.m. We will be talking about the wildfire season update and an overview of resources that are available to customers to help them prepare for any safety outages. We're going to be talking in uh, more detail about some of the many resources PG&E offers customers, particularly customers that live in high fire threat areas and may experience prolonged power outages. Following the presentation, attendees will be given the opportunity to address PG&E directly. We do take uh, questions. Questions can be submitted and they will be answered. The first portion of the webinar will be presentations uh, followed by a question and answer session. Pacific Gas and Electric's Wildfire Season Update Virtual Town Hall will take place on Tuesday, August 1st from 5.30 to 7 p.m. And you can attend by going online to pg&e.com slash webinars or by calling 1-888-469-0865 and then entering the conference ID number 69136675. Again, that number 1-888-469-0865, ID number 6913675. I'm Claudio Mendoza for KVMR News. And if you didn't quite catch them, We'll have all those numbers Claudio just mentioned for you on KVMR's website under today's podcasted evening newscast. Now let's take a look at your forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight sunny with a high near 91 degrees. Saturday clear with a high near 91. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 61 degrees. Sunday sunny with a high near 91. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 62 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with the low around 49 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 80. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 47 degrees. Sunday, sunny with a high near 81. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 46. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight clear with a low around 60 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 95. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 60 and gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. Sunday, sunny and hot with a high near 97. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 62 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. Get ready to step back in time. KVMR's Felton Pruitt brings us an interview with former KVMR DJ Jimmy Accardi. Before his days at the station, Accardi was the guitarist for The Laughing Dogs. They were a big part of New York City's CBGB rock punk scene in the 1970s. The band toured with Patti Smith, Cheap Trick, and Blondie. 
Get nostalgic with Felton and Jimmy up ahead. Well, let's uh, let's go back in your history just a little bit. Like I mentioned earlier, you played in a band called The Laughing Dogs, and uh, that was a big New York band. What, about what time? What was the era for that? That was between 1975 and 1980. And you guys were like one of the mainstays at CBGB's in New York, right? Yeah, we started playing there in the early 70s when uh, television and Blondie and Talking Heads were first coming in there. Uh, the Shirts, Mink DeVille, Robert Gordon was with the Tough Darts. That place became, what was really cool about that was like it was the new, there was no place before that to play original music. What was the name of the person that ran CBGB's? Uh, Hilly. And then they did a film. Hilly Crystal. Yeah, they did, there's a movie out called CBGB. And aren't you in the film? I'm not in the film. Uh, well, there is, there is a, a part of our song is played in the background during one of the scenes, and there's a 20-song double vinyl album uh, that's out now, record album, and one of our songs, Get Out of My Way, Get Out of My Way is on that album. Considering there was something like 30,000 bands that played there, we, we got one of the songs out of those 20, the rest of them are like uh, The Police and uh, The Flaming Groovies, uh, you know, are on the album. Great bands, great yeah. club, yeah. A yeah. great time in music. Yeah, it was really great. It was coming out at a time where there was... Not, you, the whole record business, you couldn't do anything experimental. You had to follow the rules. Everything had to sound a certain way, look a certain way. And everybody got so fed up, it just broke down right to the raw elements of... There weren't very good musicians. That's why they started calling it punk rock, because, you know, everybody would just show up and, yeah, I can write a song. It sounds like this. Some of them were terrible. I'd say more than half of it was terrible, you know. But there were some gems in there. There was Talking Heads wrote some good songs, man. Blondie had a couple of good songs, you know, and Mink DeVille, I thought, Willie DeVille. I thought uh, he was probably one of the best there. So uh, we that, that club ended up becoming a showcase for record companies because what started happening was the, the word got around all these new bands. And, you know, record companies always were looking to sign new bands. So here's the place to go to find them. And uh, all at once, within about three or four months, The Shirts, Mink DeVille, The Laughing Dogs... Blondie, Talking Heads, everybody got signed to Reka labels right around the same few months of time. Some did better than others. We, we didn't, our business end of it wasn't so hot and in the sense that our Columbia Records, they went through a whole overhaul of everyone who worked there that year that we got signed. So we got lost in the shuffle there and then the band did break up. But if we would have stayed together and things were different, yeah, you know, who knows? You ended up playing guitar for some notable people as well. I know you went out on tour with Chubby Checker. Well, yeah, that was like about a year before Laughing Dogs. Chubby Checker, the classics, the, the guys who had the record till then, it was a number one hit. Uh, I played with uh, the Dovells, the uh, bon the Belmonts, that's the, the 50s groups. But then then Chubby Checker, the early 60s. And then with the Laughing Dogs, we, we were the backup band for Mickey and Dave for the Monkees. Uh -huh. Before the Monkees, we did uh, Rupert Holmes' second album. We were his band. What was it like going out on tour with the Monkees? I signed a contract not to talk about some of that stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> well, it was very much fun. It was fun. I mean, it was like whoever was booking them was some big agency. We, the, the, uh, wherever we played, we were playing in the states that the television show was running in. So when we'd pull into town, we'd play at a place. It was They were all big places. And... Uh, so the television show was on in the afternoon, then we'd go on at 8 o'clock, and 13, 14-year-old girls would be 
at the back doors packed and they and when we leave we'd have to get out like the Beatles we'd have they were jumping on the cars and stuff it must have been kind of fun though oh it was it was fun it was insane actually it was who was taller you or Davy Jones they were about the same yeah yeah he was a really wonderful guy very friendly good friend he was really nice man and uh, Mickey was the businessman he was the they were the opposite of what they play on the show Mickey was the straight guy and I figured I'd like to hang out with Mickey, but really it, it was <laughs> Davey hung out with the band, all the parties and everything. One night in the hotel room after the gig in Miami Beach, there were all of a sudden there were like 40 people in the room with the band and Davey and Mickey left because he couldn't take it anymore. And there was a bunch of people, I don't know where they came, but they were all lined along the walls sitting there. And one guy finally says, out of nowhere, nobody noticed him until this moment, and he said, Hey, I'll eat a glass for five dollars, and he was obviously drunk, but uh, and he wouldn't stop. Every every couple of minutes, he'd go, "I'll eat a glass for five. So Davy finally got fed up. Everybody else was ignoring him, and Davy went, "All right, here's your five freaking bucks. Eat the glass. I want to see you eat the glass now." And so the guy ate the glass in front of us and swallowed it and everything. And I mean, I told Davy, "You should have shouldn't have let him do it. You should at least give him ten. Yeah, you know, enough ride but, for the get to the hospital afterwards. Yeah, right, ready for the hospital. And then I saw the guy the next day, you know. He, I said, how did you do that, man? He said, oh, I chewed it up really fine. That's the secret. I said, well, I would have gave you $5 for yeah. nothing, you know. <laughs> Just to save you the trouble yeah, of really. doing that, yeah. That's our newscast for this Friday, July 28th. Listen to anything you may have missed on our website, kvmr.org, and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Automotive City, serving Nevada County since 1997, offering complete automotive service with foreign and domestic vehicles, and smog testing. Open Monday through Thursday, 7 to 4.30, at the Brunswick Y, automotivecitygrassvalley.com, and Mountain Recreation, locally owned since 2000, offering seasonal outdoor adventure gear and apparel, with kayak and paddleboard rentals at Scott's Flat Lake, on East Main Street, Grass Valley, mtnrec.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendonca. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend. Thank you.